come on, just the voices. Fill this place. Lift your hands with me. He's his presence is in the room. If you could bring it down for just one second. I want to I want to speak just really quickly into this moment and and what God is doing. How many know that God is moving here? Um, God is, God is moving here at inspired church And, and God is moving in our land. There, there is great, great hunger in this place. And so when I got up here, I could have easily transitioned right away, but I'm just being extra sensitive to his voice because we want to be sensitive to what the Lord wants to do. And here's the thing. We don't have to manufacture anything. And every single week will not look the same. But what we can do is posture ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. And here's what I'll say. I want to thank you for how you've responded to what God is doing. Amen. No, seriously, I want to honor you. There aren't many churches these days that will let the Holy Spirit move. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to forgive me. I have to get right to it. I don't have time to be nice. Jesus has to ask permission to enter a lot of the places that call themselves a church. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is given lip service. But he's not allowed to move. In many places. And I don't say that disrespectfully. It's just the reality. And I want to honor you for being a church. That loves the presence. And loves the Holy Spirit. And I want to honor you for your hunger. But can I, can I say something to you? Don't leave that place. Lift your hands right now. Before. I'm going to minister for just a few moments and I'm going to open up the altars. Today, I feel like the Lord has given me a word to speak into something. I, today, I wanted to share with you. I feel like the Lord told me, gave me a message about unshackling our worship. And uh, I'm going to go to the text in just a moment. And then we're going to open up the altars because the presence of the Lord is here. And look, 
I believe where we're, what we're stepping into and where we're headed, it's, it's not just like a drop here or there. I believe God is bringing a habitation to us where we can ebb and flow with him. And so with your hands lifted, Father, we thank you for what you're doing all across this room right now. And I thank you for what you're already doing in the room. Thank you, Father, for what you have planned for today. Even in these next few moments, would you speak to us from your word? And what I felt in the last service, it just can't. I felt like, in a, I'm being serious, I felt like as I preached this message in the last service, I felt like I got delivered just a little bit of what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and so that's why I think it's important that I get to the word today. But I want you to know that I'm doing that so with the awareness that God is here. And we are a word and spirit people. So just because we go to the word doesn't mean his spirit is going anywhere. He's here. And so, Father, speak to us this morning from your word. And I thank you for what you're already doing and what you're going to do today and in the coming days. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we give Jesus a hand clap? If you wouldn't mind, be seated in the presence of the Lord and turn with me to John chapter 4 because I got to preach fast. Good morning, Inspire. How many of you happy to be in the Lord's house this morning? Oh, you can do better than that. I said, how many of you excited to be in the Lord's house this morning? Hey, man, to all of our online audience, first-time guests, if it's your first time here, please don't leave without us. We want uh, getting a chance to meet you. We want to connect with you. We really want to know your name, know your story. We don't want you just popping in and out. We really want to hear from you. And so if you wouldn't mind, if it's your first time here, please, before you leave, stop there in the lobby. But I'm going to jump right into the word this morning. I'm, 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 I'm preaching uh, from my main text is John chapter four. We're going to start in verse 23. Just before I do that, I'm just so thankful for the Lord. How many of you are thankful for what he's doing? I'm just, I'm just so excited about the way he's pouring out his spirit in America. And I'm just going to tell you what I believe. Can I tell you what I believe? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it again. And then I'll have to. I believe church no, as usual and normal church is over. I think, like I said, the move of God will look different each and every week. It will, it will take different forms. But I believe that there is so much hunger in the land. I believe church as we know it or church as usual is over. I believe the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit is going to continue. Because here's why. We need, uh, we, I believe we are in the beginning stages of an awakening in this nation. And how many of you know we need an awakening in this nation? But here's the thing. If good preaching in big churches could turn this nation around, we would have did it decades ago. We have some of the world's best preachers and some of the world's biggest churches. And this country has gotten further away from God. We need God to step in again. And I believe we are seeing it where Jesus is becoming the center of his church again. And the Holy Spirit is moving in our land. And I believe we, the incredible days are ahead of us. Amen. But what we have to do is stay hungry, stay low, stay in this place where we never 
graduate beyond this. Amen? Does that make sense? I'm ruined for normal, so you just have to forgive me. John chapter 4. This morning, for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about unshackling your worship. The reason why, I'm, if you pay attention to what God is doing in the earth right now, even, what, even if you uh, tuned in to what was happening at Asbury, but even as, as God is moving in America, you'll notice right now, you're seeing an outbreak of the gifts, right? You're seeing people heal, healed. You're, you're seeing people delivered. But if you'll notice, one of the unique attributes of what God is doing right now is the worship. Hello, you're going to have to talk to me this morning. Is, is God is emphasizing, because what, what, what is happening in this moment, I really believe this, is that there's an invitation from God for the church to behold the Lamb. That's why at Asbury, it was 24 hours of singing and praying, and, and there was preaching and praying and all these different things in between. But the emphasis was worship, and that seems to be, in America right now, how God, there, there's this hunger, and there's this place that he's taking us in worship. You've heard me say this many times. Worship is one of God's greatest gifts to us. Because when, I know I've said this before, but someone needs to hear this. When we worship God, we are giving him the glory and the honor that he deserves. But here's the thing. When I worship him, I, I am giving him what he deserves. But in reality, I'm not adding anything to him. I'm sorry. This last service, it came on me. I, I, I. I feel it today, man. I feel this in my bones. When I worship him, I'm giving him the honor and the glory that he deserves. But guess what? He doesn't change because whether I worship him or not, whether I give him glory or not, he's going to be the same. Here's why God is so good. Who's the one that's really changed when we worship? That's how good God is that as I'm giving him what he deserves, he's changing me. And God is calling the church right now. There's an invitation to behold the lamb because he's getting us back. He's, he's, he's bringing us back to a place where he's purifying. One of the main things he's purifying is our worship. In John chapter 4, this is what it says. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the father and someone say spirit. And truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. I want to stop right there. It says the Father is seeking. So what we're experiencing and every time, everything we do experience in any revival, in any move of God, we are responding to his seeking. Because it's in his heart, he's seeking worshipers. And here's what's interesting. It doesn't even say he's seeking worship. It says he's seeking worshipers. And so the seeker-sensitive movement got it wrong because they forgot who the greatest seeker is. I'll leave that alone. He's the greatest seeker. And he says, I'm seeking those who will worship. The Lord is looking for worshipers. I don't say this in a crass way. I I, I really mean this. He didn't say, I'm looking for people who will just sing the songs off the the screen. 
the lyrics off the screen. He's saying, I'm looking for those who are worshipers at their core. And here's what one of the greatest things that is happening in the body of Christ right now. And I'll just say this. I I believe this prophetically. We are moving from being Christian consumers where we're just consuming Christian content to God refining us to where we are returning to the true heart of worship. And when I say that, I know that sounds kind of like I'm saying that to the capital C church because because if what, what has happened even with worship, if we're not careful, is it has become like this thing. It's become this industry where and it's become this this thing where you just crank out songs and you crank out this and and all that's fine and all that's good. I got no problem with that. But Jesus said, I'm looking for worshipers. And so we can't just consume Christian content and say, oh, I like that song or I like that. He said, but in the process, we can get so uh, used to consuming content from our favorite worship leaders or our favorite preachers or our favorite this that we we forget that he actually wants to bring us back to the heart of what worship is am i making sense this morning because see worship at its core is not about my particular style or preference or genre worship at its core is fundamentally about him we're going to get into that in just a second And so I actually believe there's a great reformation happening in our worship where we're coming back to the simplicity of beholding the lamb. But turn with me really quick to 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is where pastor left off this uh, past Sunday. I had no idea that that he was going to be in that chapter because this is the chapter that I've been in that God has really been speaking to me about. And uh, there's something I want to extrapolate from this. You still breathing? And it says, before I read it, we're going to read this story. And what I want to do, I believe there's some, even though this is the Old Testament, there's some parallels to what I believe we are walking in in our day. And I just want to extract those things. And by the end of this, I'm hoping that God will set some of us free to step into a new dimension of worship. And And how to step... And what I mean by that is God wants to help us step outside of ourselves. And it says, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, right? 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherub. So they set the ark of God. I want you to see this. They set the ark of God on a new cart. Someone say a new cart. That was their first mistake, but we're going to get there. And brought it out of the house. Right. Which was on the hill and Uzzah. Drove the new cart and they brought it out of the house, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God. Right. Then David and all of, this is verse five. Then David and all of the house of Israel played music before the Lord and all kinds of instruments of fir wood on harps, on stringed instruments, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. Man, they had a whole orchestra there. I don't know what those denominate, you know, those denominations that don't believe in instruments and churches. I don't know what you do with this. I mean, they had it going on. They had every type of instrument you can imagine. Right. We need to get on their level. Right. And 
it says this. And when they came to Nachum's dressing floor, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen had stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Now, can I be honest with you? I feel bad for my man Uzzah because all he did was try to catch the ark. Can I just be honest? I, I kind of feel bad for him. But here's the, here's the thing. That wasn't the first mistake. The first mistake was how they put it on the cart. It says they put the Ark of the Covenant on a what? New cart, which was directly against the instructions of how God gave them to carry the presence of God, right? And so that, the mistake you see with Uzzah, that mistake would have never happened had the first mistake not happened. I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, because they, they had a more clever way of carrying the ark. Because a lot of times we think that God needs our help. We, a lot of times we think that God needs our assistance. <laughs> and so they put this ark on the cart and, 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 and it started to fall. And so Uzzah put out his hand and he was struck. But listen, First Chronicles goes into more detail. David called the, uh, and David called for Zadok and the priests and for the Levites. He says, he said to them, you are the heads of the fathers, the, houses, the house of the Levites. He said, sanctify yourself, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. This is the same story, just more detail. Listen to what David told them. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. That's a sermon in and of itself. How much trouble do we get into by not consulting the Lord? Especially about things concerning the weighty things of, the, of, of God. And so sometimes we think, I don't got to consult the Lord. I, 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 he needs my help. I, I, I got a new way. I got a new card. I got a new way of doing this thing. Okay. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the children of the Levites, listen to this. They bore, someone say bore, the ark of the covenant on their shoulders by the poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Can I just stop for just a second? I can't park here too long because I got to hurry. They were always commanded to carry it on the poles. But they decided, no, we, we got a better way. <laughs> and I've been meditating on this. I've been thinking about it because, see, what, what I believe God is saying to us in this hour, even with what he's doing, because God's presence is moving, right? God's presence is moving here. God's presence is moving across the land. And what, what I truly believe is we are called to carry what God is doing. But we're not called to touch it. And when I say touch it, I mean this. We're not called to try to control it or manage it. We're just called to carry it. 
Because every time God starts to move or think, or God is, is doing something, a lot of times we have this tendency to think that God needs our help. So we're going to get a new cart and we're going to put our hands on what he's doing. And God is telling us in this hour, don't touch what I'm doing. Carry what I'm doing. There's so much I could say, I'm, but I got to keep going. I got to keep going. But here's, I've meditated, why the poles? And I heard a man of God say this recently, and and it really stuck with me. And I've been meditating on this. Because you see, because to put it on the the ark, I mean, I'm sorry, to put it on the cart was convenient. It was easier to put it on the cart and let the ox carry it. But when they put it on their shoulders, they had to actually put the wood on their shoulders and feel the weight of what they were carrying. But here's the other thing. The Bible says that there were two poles made of acacia wood. And I believe those two poles represented the cross. That's just my interpretation. And I believe it's one of those things that pre-shadows Christ. And what he was saying is this, is that even in carrying the ark, unless you're going to carry the cross and follow Jesus, don't try to try to carry the presence and the glory of your life. Because there is, listen, there is no carrying the presence and glory of God without A cross-shaped life. Track with me. Track with me. I'm going to go 10 minutes over because of the time, but the baby dedicated. Can I have time? I told you the last time we spoke, but the Lord moved so mightily out. I didn't get to speak long. But the Lord has been dealing with me so powerfully about the centrality of the cross coming back to the church. And I told you, I, I was asking the Lord, okay, Lord, I, 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 and I get it. I understand it. So does every message have to be on the cross? Does every song have to directly mention the cross? And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, no, but everything has to be marked by it. Because Jesus said, if any man's going to follow, follow me, let him pick up his cross, deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. <laughs> and many times what we want to do is we want to, we want to find a new way to carry his presence and glory and get the things that we want. But we don't want to have to carry it on our shoulders and actually have to die to self to be able to carry a greater measure of what God wants to do in the earth. Are you tracking with me? So the first thing that I think God is bringing back to our worship is the cross. As Not only are we beholding the lamb, but God is bringing us back to the cruciform life. To where we don't try to live however we want to live and still try to carry his glory. Where we're actually returning to the cruciform life. Where God, anything that's not of you, you can take it. Anything that's going to hinder my walk with you, you can take it. Because I don't want anything that doesn't go through the cross. There's a church, and when I say, there is a large element of the church that wants revival without the cross. There's a large, I feel this. I feel this in my bones. There's a large element of the church that wants glory, but they don't want the cross. And Jesus is saying, you have to, there is no choice. So God is calling us to carry it, but we will only be able to carry it through a cruciform life. So the first, that's the first way he's unshackling us is he's bringing the centrality of the cross, not just the cross of Christ, but the, 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 the cross of discipleship. 
Amen. But listen to this. It says this in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. David was afraid when he saw what happened to Uzzah. It says he was afraid. How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark, right? And this is where basically David left it at um, Obed-Edom's house. But later on, when, when he consulted the, with the Lord and they got on the same track... He begins to bring it back. It says, now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom, right? And and David said, okay, I'm going to take this back to Jerusalem. So it says, and so it was in verse 13, when they got the, the, the proper order back, when those bearing the ark of the Lord, check this out. Not only did they begin to carry it on their shoulders again, it says that when they had gone six paces, they would sacrifice oxen and fatted sheep. So when David said, okay, we're going to do it the Lord's way, put the Ark of the Covenant back on the shoulders of the priest. Then it says they would go six paces, and then what would they do? They would sacrifice something. Can I tell you what I believe the Lord is doing in our worship? The Lord is bringing sacrifice back into our worship again. And I'm going to explain what I mean. It says, and so it was when those bearing the ark had gone six paces, they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Listen to this. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, which that's a whole nother message that he should not have been wearing. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now, what do I mean by sacrifice? Because how many of you know that we are in the new covenant? Right. God's not interested anymore in the sacrifice of bulls and goats and doves and lambs. How many know the blood of Jesus was greater than all of that? And it's sufficient for everything. The Bible says we have a better covenant with better promises. But here, but here, here's a reality check. Even in the new covenant, we still make sacrifices. Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, first uh, Peter chapter two, verse five. He says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Listen to this to offer up what spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 tells or 13 tells us one of those sacrifices that we make is actually praise itself. Hebrews 13. Therefore by him, let us continually listen to this offer the sacrifice. Someone say sacrifice. Of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So again, we're looking for parallels because see what I believe is happening in our day. God is returning his presence and glory to his church. But the first thing he's got to do is he's calling us to carry it, not touch it. And that means we've got to go back to the cross and live a cruciform life. The other thing it means is that we've got to put sacrifice back in our worship. And this sacrifice, it's not something that's mandated by a law. This sacrifice is actually a free will offering that we give to him, not because he asked for it, but because we want to give it to him. What am I saying is many times we're like those priests that when the Ark of the Covenant was returning to Israel, we like it convenient. Let's put it on the Ark. Let the ox do it. 
I don't want to be inconvenienced. But can I tell you something? Worship, in my opinion, this is what the Lord has really been dealing with me about. You can, if the shoe fits, you can kick it off, wear it, whatever you want to do. But this is what the Lord has been showing me. Worship doesn't really even truly begin until you go beyond convenience anyway. Because here's what happens is, is, is so many times worship becomes about what's convenient or, or what we're used to. And, and today I'm talking about unshackling. What shackles our worship sometimes is convenience. What shackles our worship sometimes is our routine. What shackles our worship sometimes is what we're used to. And so what happens is, is during worship, like, okay, he's on his second song. He's like, oh, that's the third song. He's doing a little reprise. Okay, well, he'll be done in two seconds and he'll preach and then we'll be at Denny's by 12. Oh, God, no, no, not, not another song, not another song. Oh, man, you know what, man, why are they singing that song again? They've been singing that song for two or three weeks. I don't, I don't even like that song. And so what happens is, is that so many times we come to church, and because we lifted our hands and because we felt his presence, we think that we worshiped. Oh, I'm preaching to myself. Like I told you, if the shoe fits... Wear it or kick it off. But so many times we think that if we come to church and because we lifted our hands and I sang a few songs on the screen and I felt his presence. Listen, God will let you feel his presence just because he's good. But you don't begin to worship until you go beyond yourself. Until you look past. Worship goes beyond convenience. Worship doesn't look for what's the easiest way can I worship? What's the easiest way that I can do this? Worship goes before the Lord and says, Lord, what do you want today? What's the song you want to hear from my heart? What can I give you today? How can I give to you what you truly deserve? Because worship is not about what I feel. It's about who he is. And what shackles our worship so many times is our familiarity. Our routines, which is, those things are good, but they can become a place. Convenience. But here's my favorite part about this story. Is it says that now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. This is where pastor left off and I got to close if I could have the musicians come. It said, Mikhail, y'all remember Mikhail? Saul's daughter looked through the window and I'm just going to paraphrase because I don't have time. It's really sad because David had just blessed all the people. You remember that? Then it actually says he was coming to bless his household. But Mikhail beat him to the punch. And she said, Who do you, I'm paraphrasing. Who do you think you are? Did you see yourself out there today? You were dancing before the Lord with all of your might in that ephod in front of all those women. That's that's how I picture it in my head. In front of all those people. One translation says that she, uh, in, in Chronicles, it actually says that she, I think it says she despised him. But listen, I I want you to catch something for a second. It said, so David said to Mikhail, it was before the Lord. He kind of snapped back a little bit, didn't he? Look. He said, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. (laughs) Sorry. 
and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people. Listen to what David said. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. But catch this. Actually, I, I got like, I only had the first half of this. I got the second half while I was preaching in the first service. It hit me so strongly. He said, Mikhail, I'll become even more undignified than this. Okay, that in and of itself is a message. But it's the second thing that David said that tripped me up. And he says, and I will be humble. No, 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 listen, listen. Because what happens is many times we look at people who are worshiping and they're dancing or people who have extravagant worship and we have the audacity to sometimes say, look at that person. They're, they're so showy. They're so prideful. They're making it about them. And David said, it's actually because the Lord humbled me. Oh, I'm sorry. I got... Listen. He said, it's because the Lord humbled me that I'm dancing. Because you see, I used to stay quiet. I used to do this little thing right here. And I realized I wasn't giving God what he deserved. Are you hearing me today? Hold on, hold on. Stop for just two seconds. Sorry, I don't know what's got a hold of me. But listen, that's what we do sometimes. We, we give them what's convenient, just enough, just enough. And listen, again, I'm not saying everyone has to have a certain style. Please don't hear me. Only you know what your unshackled worship looks like. Does that make sense? Only you know what that looks like. I'm not telling you to copy anybody. But so many times in the name of maturity, or here's one, we blame our personality. But I've seen some of us at a Texans game and at an Astros game. When our, hold on, hold on. Let me hit on college. We really go crazy for our our alma maters. Come on, Texas A&M, Texas Aggie. I mean, uh, Texas Longhorn, Texas A&M, U of H fans. Some of y'all were being undignified the other night when they lost. No, listen. How about at a concert? How undignified have... And this is not criticism. I'm saying truly, how undignified have we been at concerts and sports arenas? And say, oh, well, that, that, that's my person. But it, how can the Lord get less of you than your sports team or your favorite celebrity? And we say, well, it's my person. Here, here's what I would suggest. Here's my, what I would suggest to you. And I have to close. There's more in your worship than you've tapped into. There's more inside of you than you have let out of you. And God is saying today, whatever has shackled you, whether it's been your routine, whether it's been your limitations, or here's another one, whether it's been the fear of man or the confines of religion, God wants to break the shackles off of our worship. Because there's a sound being released in the church right now that's going to shake the earth. It's not a, listen, it's not a genre. It's not another album. It's the sound of the church. Stand with me to your feet. Come on, come on, lift your hands with me. How many feel that in your bones? 
I, I am way past out of time. <laughs> Y'all, in the first service, when I read that part where it said, and David said, I'll dance with all my might and I'll be humble. When I realized it was his humility that made him dance. It just hit me. It said, if, 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 if the humility sets us free, right? Then what is, then, then if, 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 when, when our praise is shackled, that means what? That, that the cross has not had its perfect work in us. Is that if we'll go lower, there's an expression that'll come out of us that you don't even know that you have. Because when God humbles you, like he did King David, David said, God is too good. He's been too good for me. He's taken me from too many valleys and through too many deserts. I have stood in front of giants. I have, I have been in battles and the Lord has been too good for me. He's humbled me enough to say, Lord, if I'm going to praise you, I'm not going to do what's convenient. Because in another place, he said, I'm not going to offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So I want you to lift your hands with me. I'll tell you what. I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer, but I'm going to be bold. If you want to be unshackled, join me at this altar really quick. If you feel, if this is resonated inside of your bones, just rush here to this altar really quick. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, press in. There's some people coming behind you. Okay, so let's let's do a salvation call, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to release a roar in this place, and and you guys are going to come back. But give me that, give me that good worship, not that altar call worship. You are going to release a sound in here before we leave. I want you to, everyone, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you don't know him and you want to know him today, I want you to wave at me. God bless you. I see your hands, your hands online. Let's pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me. I need a Savior. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me in my sin. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Save me in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. Now I want you to lift up your hands. 